In preparation for today's message, we shall be reading from the book of Hebrews, chapter 5, verses 11 to 14, and then Hebrews, chapter 6, verses 1 to 3. Hebrews, chapter 5, verses 11 to 14. Concerning him, we have much to say, and it is difficult to explain, since you have become poor listeners. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the actual words of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unacquainted with the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to distinguish between good and evil. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 to 3. Therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about the Christ, that has pressed on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of instruction about washings and laying on of hands, and about the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And this we will do, if God permits. Praise God for the reading of his word. We can now take our seats. Before I go to the sermon, I'd like to remind everybody of the training this afternoon from 2 o'clock to 4.30. May I encourage you to bring your own personal stuff, like uh, your own mug so if you're going to drink water you use your own water container and um, bring a pen we, if ever you forget we will have extra pens here but if everybody forgets we don't have a pen for everybody so have a pen and then uh, please uh, if well uh, you will be given materials, and then you can write notes at the back. But if you're a person who loves to write many notes, please bring your own notebook. So it's kept in one place. And, uh, and of course, bring an open heart. Bring a Bible, because there is a time that you will have to read on your own. We will not flash it. So please do not forget to bring your Bible. We have a few extra Bibles, um, but again, it won't be enough for everybody if everybody forgets their Bible. So I hope you uh, do not forget your own Bible. In church, we're not used to bringing our own Bibles because we flash the verses on the screen. Thank God for technology. But in training or in, in a seminar, it's good to really also stare at the text, observe the text carefully, and really attest if what is being taught is really what is in the text. So you challenge every preacher, every teacher of the word, if they are within context or they're just making it up. So, and I encourage you to do so, for that is the church we are praying for, a church that, is, that would be like the Bereans. When Paul visited the Bereans, Paul the apostle himself, the Bereans said, we will check. And they opened the Old Testament to check if what Paul the apostle was teaching was accurate in scripture and uh, so that they were not easily misled or would not be easily misled. So we pray for a church like that. 
that is a church if ever I die I would be happy to die no I'm not looking for death meaning if by God's grace our community knows how to study scripture and have grown to be rooted in scripture and can detect false teaching uh, because of the study of the context then I would be uh, full of joy and I would be praising God uh, so much and I pray that you would have that desire so today we continue our lesson or our sermon series on the book of Hebrews or the epistle of Hebrews. We call it book right now because it's like a book with chapters. Uh, the Bible, they say, is a library of books. But originally it was a letter. An epistle is a letter uh, written by somebody that could not be identified because he did not sign his name. And some say this, uh, the epistle was written in manuscript form, like somebody preaching, and then there's an application, and then somebody would be teaching again, and there's the application. And you see this from the beginning. He will teach about Christ as superior to Judaism, superior to the different elements, key elements of Judaism. Then he would pause to give them a warning. Therefore, you have to do this. Then he would teach again, and they would pause, and then, therefore, you have to do this, or therefore, don't do this. So he goes on with this pattern, and right now, we're actually in the midst of discussing Aaron, the priesthood, and then Melchizedek. And we will go back to Melchizedek after we deal with this warning. There's this application and this warning, so uh, in this sermon and then the next sermon next week we will be dealing with this break with this warning so i've titled uh, the sermon today as move on grow up so move on and grow up please do not put your concept of moving on and growing up there allow me to to expose what it is or explain the meaning of it uh, the tendency the basic mistake of some people when we read the Bible, we try to put what our, our dictionary meaning or our cult cultural meaning to a word and put it there. Right? So we have to look at the usage of the original text. In this case, it was Greek, and they had their usage of, of language. So the, the way it was used then may not be the same now. So that's why we, we preachers must take the time to study. Let me give you a modern example. Um, the word cute isn't really cute. Uh, it, it's really bow-legged. And after a while, it's been used for babies as cute. So once upon a time, it's not a pos so, so much of a positive note. Okay? And, uh, and if you would look in, in the word simple, I, I like the simplicity of it. Once upon a time, when you see, I think he is simple, it means he has a slow learner or a mental problem. I think he's simple. So the usage, depending on that time, that's why when we study scripture, do not immediately interpret what you read based on your background. Our background comes later. First, what was the text? What was the context in those times? What did, was the author saying? based on, on the text. And then, once we understand that, then we come to the application and ask, how do we obey this now? What does it mean for us now? So here, we're at the point where 
where the author was giving them some application, but then we will have to study what it meant then. Sometimes it's very simple, really, but sometimes it's not that simple. That's why we, we, we consult others. I read, I study, but then I have to triangulate. If some of you in research, triangulation means getting more information to get uh, to, to the point of accuracy. So I read other authors, other commentaries, and other researchers to see what it means based on what I found out and compare it with what they found out. And there are times it's very consistent, but there are a few times that there are different opinions, and that is fine. There is only one interpretation of the author. It means he meant only one thing. He didn't mean many things. Like the way you write, the way you text, you mean one thing about it, not many things. So we don't say, kanya-kanyang interpretation yan. We don't say that. We have to look what did the author mean. But sometimes because of the time gap, there are things we can never know what he means. There are some areas there. Why? Uh, there are internal languages. Like a language or a mean a usage of a word may mean something to a certain group only. Like among GCFers or among, uh, among friends, when you say a word, it's already a joke to everybody. Now, because we, don't, we didn't hear the joke or we didn't know the background or the history of that group, we're thinking, why is everybody laughing? That's why even in our sermons, we have to edit some parts because some parts I speak about our context that may not be applicable to all. Ah, a long introduction. It's preparation for proclaim because later we will study God's word. But every now and then I share that so that we can be encouraged to look at scripture, observe it before you interpret it, before you make the application. So let us begin. The author explained the superiority of Christ over Judaism. Christ is better than the prophets, the angels, Moses, Joshua, and Aaron. The author rebuked the recipients of the letter. He said that he, was, he has much to write, but that they have become poor listeners. And to remind you, who were the recipients of the letter? It's a community of Hebrews or Jewish community. Now, in this community, there are those who are true believers and there are those who are just Jewish people who are just interested about learning about Christ, but have not fully committed themselves to Christ. It's just much like any other church community today. There are those who are genuinely following Christ, but not everybody. Some are just here to listen, but never to obey, never to have faith, never to turn away from their sins, only to listen. When it's easy to follow, they will follow. But when the scripture gives you a hard teaching, they will not follow. And these are not true believers, according to scriptures, of course. These are the fake believers. And uh, in the Jewish community, Paul was addressing that. I mean, the author was addressing that. Some believe the author to be Paul, but it could be Barnabas or somebody in his circle. Why did they think it's Paul? Because of the style of writing. Why do some scholars believe it's not Paul? Because Paul was very consistent in signing his name and some minor differences in style and some usage of words that Paul never used. Okay, and we will be discussing that in the next sermon. There are usages of words there that were not consistent in the Pauline epistle. So it's probably somebody 
around Paul or discipled by Paul that wrote the book of Hebrews. Now, that's the setting. The recipients were a mixed, but mostly believers. But during this time, in the AD 60s, there was a falling away from, from Christianity and going back to Judaism. Why? It was very tempting to go back because Judaism was a recognized state religion by Rome, and Christianity was not. Therefore, there was less social discrimination, less political bullying if you are with the Jews versus you're with the Christians. And Christians were openly persecuted at times, not necessarily killed, but, but there was a time they were killed and put to prison. There were seasons like that, but it didn't happen all the time. But it's really more of a bullying in different parts, like economic bullying. They would be, or social discrimination, economic discrimination. So they would be ostracized or uh, some would not want to engage with them. And that's why the Christians during the New Testament time, many were poor Christians. Very few were those who were uh, well off, unlike the Jewish people, they were really good in business and because of Rome. In fact, Nero invited them back when Claudius, the emperor, scattered them, I mean expelled them, but Nero asked them to come back because he saw the economic contribution of the Jewish people. So this time, uh, believers are, are tempted, Jewish believers are tempted to go back to the synagogue and never participate in this community. There was a time they go to the synagogue and here at the same time. So they're going to two places. So the writer was addressing these people who were undecided and those who, to prevent them from falling away. As we discussed in earlier sermons, the recipients of the letter were both Jewish believers and non-believers. They looked like believers, some of them, but they were non-believers still. But they participated in the community. The author intended to prevent them from turning back to Judaism, and the Jewish non-believers took part in the fellowship of the church community, yet they were indecisive. They were part, but indecisive. Okay? Not fully committing to follow the word of God, still attached to their former religion, but not fully committing to study God's word and obey God's word. Now, the author gave a firm rebuke, stating that some of the recipients should be teaching about Christ already, but they became dull. The writer could not proceed to explain more because they would not understand. What they needed was milk instead of meat. At first, they were listening intently, but after a while, they didn't like listening anymore, or uh, they developed an attitude. And sometimes, even in church, I see that. After listening for a while, they develop an attitude of thinking they know everything. Uh, but when I ask them if they've read and they studied, no, they have not. They just formed their own opinion based on everything they heard, but not really going in-depth to the study. So there's that, that kind of hard-headed, not-listening type. And that has happened to, to some of them. You become dull of listening. And he likened these indecisive people as infants. It's not the way you use it these days. An infant can be somebody who fully decided to follow Christ, but he is on the beginning stages 
we would call them a baby Christian because they just committed themselves. They just repented and had faith. That's our usage today. But the usage of the author is you're an infant if you're not yet decisive. But if you already embraced the word of righteousness, if you really already know the word of righteousness, which is the gospel of Christ, we are righteous only in Christ. Once you know that, then you have begun eating meat. That was his usage. Not our modern usage among churches today of what a baby is and what is a mature believer. There, there the baby was, the infant was, the one who keeps listening and listening again to, to some teachings, to, to always clarifying again and again and again without fully believing. The Jewish recipient should move on from the elementary Jewish teachings about Christ. As we discussed, we have preached on Genesis and Exodus. And if, if you read on Leviticus, you will see there are many shadows of Christ. Shadows meaning clues. God has given clues of the coming of Christ. To explain the coming of Christ and the death and resurrection of Christ. Like the lamb that was slain. Like when the sinner sacrifices a, an animal, he lays his hands on the, on, on, the, on the animal to transfer his sin there symbolically. And the animal dies for his sins. That was the Old Testament pattern. And these are clues, shadows of Christ. That animal was like Christ as Christ died for us. So these were clues in the Old Testament, and I believe they have been discussing these with these Hebrews, with these Jewish people, but they still don't want to move on. They keep, kept staying there. That's why the struggle of the apostles in the early church, especially Paul and his team, when they preached the gospel to the Gentiles, they somehow saw it was simpler. Uh, Gentiles, this is a sin, turn away and follow Christ. And they say, yeah. We repent of our sins, we follow Christ, we believe. It's very simple. But for the Jew, they have to go back to their law. They have to go back to so much of their ceremony. And, and the apostles had to sift through that to make them move on. That's the context. You have to move on now. Yes, that's all about Christ. Can we move on now? So that we can live the Christian life in our community. Not again laying that foundation it's not saying forgetting the gospel. No, not again. We're, they were tirelessly, uh, tirelessly at first, but then the author seems to be getting tired of it. And that seems to be the tone of this. Uh, let's move on. Come on. We've, you've heard this teaching. The important thing is you believe it, and now let us move on. Now, apparently, well, the Jewish people should press on to believe in Christ, not talking about him, but believing in him, and then learning, moving on as a community. Apparently, not everyone in the Jewish church community was a believer. They still had to be convinced about these elementary teachings about Christ. Perhaps some merely tagged along or participated without genuinely committing to Christ. And I hope here that none of us are here are just tagging along or just joining, uh, just listening, but not fully giving our lives to Christ, not fully having faith in the scripture, and not fully living the commands of Christ. And one of the commands is to be a community, and that is his design, to be a community of believers. 
First point, you know, they were poor listeners. So let me discuss the poor listeners. The author mentioned that the recipients became hard to teach. They should be teachers about Christ, but they did not mature. They needed milk instead of meat. The babies were not acquainted with the word of righteousness. And let's read verses 11 to 14. But let's read verse 11 first. Verse 11 only. Concerning him, we have much to say. Who was him? Melchizedek. We have much to say. But the author will go back to Melchizedek. We have much to say, and it is difficult to explain since you have become poor listeners. Why Melchizedek? Because Christ is according to the order of Melchizedek, which is greater than Aaron. And the emphasis of the author was that Christ is greater than all, and Christ is greater than Judaism, and Christ is not according, is not under Aaron, but under Melchizedek, because Melchizedek, as we discussed last week, was alive during Abraham's time, but then there was no record of him, and it was hard then not to have a record if you're a man living on earth, because there were not many people there. They know where you came from. But this Melchizedek, king of Salem, later to become Jerusalem, king of Salem just appeared before Abraham after Abraham won the battle against the the four kings of the east. And we preached this on Genesis. And they met. And after that, there were no descendants. There was no record. He's saying that this is a miraculous sighting, perhaps. But somehow, you know, uh, uh, this man greater than Abraham because Abraham gave a tenth of his, of his ownership. He gave a tenth of his ownership to this high priest, Melchizedek. Christ was according to that order, and the author is saying, I have much to explain, but I don't think you like to hear. I don't th- you've become poor listeners. I hope we are good listeners here. I wanted to ask you to say amen, but no. Our protocols say less chanting or speaking as a congregation in church. But I hope you are good listeners in Christ. Listening isn't such a skill that everybody has. You just ask those closest to you in the family, am I a good listener? Just ask it honestly. And sometimes the answer is painful, but just ask. Try not to respond, not to justify yourself. Just ask. I mean, just get the feel of it. I consider it wrong if one family member does not listen to the others, especially the parents, because a parent should model it to the children, and the children should follow the parents. But that's not my discussion. The discussion is about listening to God's word. Listening to God's word. The author had much to say about Melchizedek, but decided to pause. He paused so he could warn the readers. The writer addressed the Jewish non-believers. So he's talking to the non-believers now. The babies who were undecisive or indecisive, who were probably at the verge. Some of them were probably at the verge of fully believing in Jesus or the word of God. You see, some people believe in Christ but don't believe in the Word. That, that can't work. Either you believe in the Word and Jesus, they're one. You can't say, you believe me, but you don't believe what I say. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. You have to believe in what Jesus said and what he stands for. And he said that what? 
that his apostles would be sent to teach. And you would read that a lot on John, on the book of John, how he commissioned his apostles, how he empowered his apostles as well. You cannot say you believe in Christ, but don't believe in the word of God. You are a liar if you say that. You're, there's no truth in what you're saying. You are fake. If you believe in Christ, you believe in the word. Some were probably at the verge of believing, but somehow still had reservations. Uh, let's move to the next verse, verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the actual words of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. Milk is for infants. Then we wait for the time that they can uh, begin to eat food, solid food. So they should be teaching Christ to others, but they need someone to keep teaching them the gospel according to the Old Testament. Again, it's the Old Testament stuff again and again and again. In this case, that Christ is the Messiah that fulfilled the ceremonial law. They had to teach from the Old Testament that Christ fulfilled the ceremonial law, and that is very important to the Jew or to the Jewish believer. Moreover, Christ fulfilled what the prophets declared in the Old Testament, especially Isaiah. A son will be given to us, Prince of Peace, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. There were prophecies that were made. Christ fulfilled them. But the Jewish non-believers could not go beyond this point. They still struggled during that point. So to move on was difficult for them. Verse 13, for everyone who partakes only of milk is unacquainted with the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. So unacquainted, the word of righteousness this is not necessarily the word of God as a whole, but the word of righteousness is the righteousness of Christ. And that word righteousness is important for them. Why? As Paul mentioned, there is no righteousness in the law. They cannot find it. To be righteous in the law is to be perfect. 100%. Zero disobedience from the law. But the word of righteousness states that Christ is our righteousness and we are justified, made righteous by faith in him. And that was what the apostles were teaching in the New Testament, especially to the Jews. Now, the text defined what an infant is in the context. Again, I have mentioned this to you. The infant is the one who is unacquainted with the word of righteousness, and I believe that is the gospel. The infant in this context is not the same as the new believer in our context. Some of the recipients were poor listeners. They did not know the gospel to have come or have come to believe in Christ fully. And I do want to use that word fully because when you participate in a community, somehow you're interested, somehow you, you want to listen, somehow you believe this is good, somehow in your heart you say this is right, but never coming to fully have faith, not coming to fully repent of our sins, 
not fully turning away from it, but still trying to preserve our, our sins, but not fully coming to Christ. But modern evangelism has changed that and say, oh, you can still belong to the group and be a Christian if you just follow this prayer, accept him, and that's, that's as easy as ABC, you're a Christian. Oh, what a load of error. Not once did Christ say that. Not once did the apostles say that. And we will discuss that this afternoon. What were, we will look at the case study, a segment in scripture of how the gospel was presented. And I have used this presentation as accurate as I, I tried to be. And some of you came to the Lord through this without you even Knowing that there was a challenge now, will you accept him? Just bow your head now. It's like a salesman trying to close the deal. If you just say yes, and they say, he said yes, amen, you're saved. Oh, brother. And we got that from where? America. When they tried to innovate and made everything easier. American type of Christianity, I'm not saying all. There's some really good theologians that still proclaim the gospel of repentance and faith in Christ. Until today, they do not use these careless, careless uh, gospel tracts. Careless. And if you don't feel passion on that, I am concerned about you if you are not passionate about accuracy in the Word of God. If you are not passionate about that, then I am concerned. In fact, once upon a time, I shared to the board of this church, seriously, but I don't think, I don't know if they believe me seriously. I said, if you persist on preaching, accepting rather than repentance in faith, I will resign. Two things, you leave or I resign. I said it nicely, by the way. I'm not looking for a fight, but I always tried to stand on Scripture and willing to suffer for it if we must, if we have to. They're unacquainted with the word of righteousness. Because they have put things out of context. Just believe in your heart, confess you with your mouth. That is in Scripture. But you can never lift up Romans 10, 9 and 10 from the whole book of Romans. Because Romans talked about if you're truly in Christ, you will be sanctified. Meaning, there's that part that you process. You continuously turn away from your sin. And you continuously grow in holiness. There's that part. No, we will not be instantly perfect. But we are on the journey already of letting go. We have decided to let go of everything. Then we realize along the way there's still more. And then we continue that process. Now some even preach you don't have to repent anymore if you're a believer. Again. I don't know where that's coming from. But it's clear in the churches of Revelation... They were called to repent. The word repent is there. 
verse 14. But solid food is for the mature who, because of practice, have their senses trained to distinguish between good and evil. The infant cannot digest solid food. Similarly, some of the recipients of the letter could not learn more about Christ because they have not crossed over. They could not discern good from evil. In contrast, a true believer turns away from known sins and would continue to turn away from sins that they will discover through spiritual growth. We turn away from our known sins, sins that we know we commit. But as we grow, we discover there are still sins. We continue to turn away while experiencing the Holy Spirit transforming our lives. Number two, we move on to Christ. Point number two, the author instructed them to move on from the Old Testament teachings of Christ. And it itemized there in verses 1 and 2. Can we look at that? Chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. That You will find their repentance from dead works, faith toward God, instructions on washings, laying on of hands, and resurrection from the dead, and eternal judgment. Now, let's read this. Verse, uh, verse number 1, chapter 6. Therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about Christ... Take note, we are not leaving the gospel. We're talking about the Old Testament stuff. Okay, the reflections of Christ in the Old Testament. And rather, let's talk about the substance. He came here. The apostles saw him. Except Paul who met him supernaturally on the road to Damascus. The apostles touched him. Ate with him. Let's learn about the Christ. Let's move on from there. And now let us press on to maturity. Not again laying the foundation of repentance from dead works. Some would say this is the works of the law. Not just repentance from, from the works of the law. Not just that. Not just about faith towards God. Which is very clearly in the Old Testament, God wants the whole Israel to look to Him alone. Not to anybody, but to Him alone. That is faith towards God. And now some of your translations have the word baptisms. That's not the accurate word. It is a form of, bab well, bab baptism is baptizo, but that's not the form there. It's more on the washings. Because the Jewish customs, ceremonial customs, have washings. Remember when the disciples of Christ were eating food and, the, and the, some complained, why, were not, why did they not wash their hands? No, no, they washed their hands, I believe, but they did not follow a certain ceremonial washing. Washings. Go to the priest if you have a skin disease and there's a ceremony of washing and this. Let's, not, let's stop talking about that now. Laying on of hands, of course, laying on of hands aside from the priest, laying on of hands on, on people. It's also the people sacrificing the, the animal, laying their hands on them so that their sin would be accounted or transferred to this animal. The penalty will be taken by this animal, which is a foreshadowing of the coming of Christ. The animal isn't Christ. It's just a type, a typology, they say, uh, a, an analogy of Christ's. Let's not 
do the resurrection of the dead again, although the Old Testament does not speak much about the resurrection of the dead. Not much. Perhaps in the Talmud they have talked about it, although eternal judgment and resurrection of the dead would be connected, and it was mentioned once in Daniel chapter 12 and a few times other, when Daniel talked about eternal damnation and he referred to some eternal life. The first step to maturity is to believe the gospel with full conviction. And let me say that full conviction. For the Jews, they must believe with full conviction that Christ is the fulfillment of the Old Covenant. Full conviction. The teachings mentioned in verses 1 and 2 points to the gospel. It's Old Testament stuff too, but it's also New Testament stuff. But it is just applied in different ways. We don't sacrifice again. We don't sacrifice the, the lamb again. The lamb already died once and for all. The author urged the Jewish non-believers to stop repeating discussions about the Messiah in the Old Testament. They know it already. It's just a matter of do you believe or not. And like some of us here may have heard the gospel, it's so clear. The question is, do you believe it with full conviction or not? Because you were led to believe that you can be a believer and maintain a carnal life. You were led to believe. You were deceived. You were led to believe it's okay. No, it's never okay. Whenever somebody mentions you are carnal, it's a rebuke. Mahiyaka. It's not, it's okay. Just continue in Christ. Continue your spiritual disciplines. They hear it. They hear it again and again. What, the gospel? But they do not listen well. Hey, just believe the gospel already. I think that's the tone of the author. Just believe already, okay? Now, 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 some of you feel I, am, I, mean, I know somebody like that. I've been presenting the gospel again and again. <laughs> and they're somehow playing in between yes and no, yes and no. And so you want to say what the author is saying. Believe already, okay? Some of you here may be just here to listen, but not full, with full conviction. I say to you with the same tone, believe already, okay? Just believe when you open the word, believe it with full conviction. No, 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 no. This is not full conviction. Oh, it's Sunday. I'll go to church. And you know that, that the Bible is useful for life. There are principles there that one can use to succeed in this life. You got it wrong. We submit to the scriptures. It's not a tool we use for ourselves. It's not a self-help tool. It is the divine word of God, and we submit to it as if God said it himself, because he did. We submit to the word with full conviction. Oh, when I have time, yes, I'll participate in some Christian activity. I will participate in, participate in studying God's word. When I have time, you got it wrong. It is seek first, first, the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all that you need, all that you're busy with, will be given to you by God himself. It's not the other way around. 
when I have time. Well, maybe God will not find the time to write your name in the Lamb's Book of Life. Maybe He will not find the time to receive you into the eternal kingdom. Because He was never first in your life. Admit it. Was He? Really? You're willing that all your actions and your thoughts be evaluated if you claim that He is truly first in your life. Above opinions, personal opinions, and emotion? You'd rather follow the word than be emotional? I mean, you'd rather forgive than hate. Well, is that the case? You'd rather seek peace than fight. Is, is that the case? You'd rather keep the offense than gossip. Is that the case? Oh, I feel so bad. I need to tell all my friends about how bad I feel. Oh, I feel so bad about this person. I hate this person. That's gossip. That's why be careful with hatred and bitterness. James warned, because it spreads like a disease. <sighs> Last point, God is sovereign. The author instructed them to stop dwelling on the shadows, but focus on Christ. He said, if God permits. The author had to include if God permits, because he's telling them, move on. If God permits, this we will do. Which shows that he acknowledges sovereignty of God, especially in the knowledge of the word. Verse 3, let's read verse 3. A short verse that says, And this we will do if God permits. Another phrase is God willing. God willing. The author proactively convinced the Jewish non-believers to move on from the Old Testament teachings of Christ. Christ is far superior compared to the angels and the Jewish ancestors, including Abraham, by the way. Although the author was proactive in telling them to move on, he still believed in the sovereignty of God. So I might be persuading all of you to fully believe in him. But then I would say, God willing, we will all move on. God willing, we will all mature in Christ. God willing. Because it is he who draws us to Christ and helps us mature. God is sovereign above all, including salvation. Take note. God is sovereign over salvation. Some from the Jewish Christian community fell away. A revolt. The word falling away here is a revolt. They moved out willfully. Yet God willing, those who remain will move on. Let them go. Move on from the elementary teaching about Christ. And move to believe that Jesus Christ is the promised Messiah. And if they do, they begin the first stage of maturity according to this context. The first stage of maturity for the Jewish people is to believe that Jesus is truly the Messiah with full conviction. And by doing that, they let go of infancy. Now, what does this mean to us today? We have studied and discussed, extrapolated what it meant then. 
What does it mean for us today? One, be teachable. Let us be teachable, willing to understand the gospel. If we are not teachable, we will keep needing milk instead of meat. Take note, it's not information. Because these people had the information. They were enlightened with the information. You can be enlightened with the information of God's word, but not fully commit to it or with full conviction obey it. If we are not teachable, we will still be in the milk stage. We cannot take, we cannot understand putting our lives into the meat stage, meaning solid food stage. Learning requires submission and consistency. Submission to God's word and consistency. Do not harden the heart. Do not be dull of hearing. Do not be poor listeners. In short, do not be stubborn. Those who need milk have not fully believed in the Word of God. In our context, if you have not fully believed in the Word of God with full conviction, you're still in the milk stage. If we use the author's description of what milk and solid food is, they still have reservations. Here is a short list of why people have reservations. One, they could not repent of favorite sins. I will follow, but I want to stay in adultery. But I like this Christian thing. I like hearing the sermons here. I will follow, but I will still keep doing this. Another is they honor religious icons more than Christ. Hopefully, there's none of you here. I believe when I was still new, I would still pray to the saints because they might get jealous. <laughs> Silly. They might get jealous, not only Christ, but all the others. But by letting go and fully following with full conviction what the Word says, I realize the Word is more than enough. Oh my. Oh Lord. Dadagdagan mo pa. Ang kapal na ng Biblia, dadagdagan mo pa. That is enough, my friends. That's why I believe a strong proponent in sola scriptura, scripture alone. They're stubborn. They just don't want to follow. In deep in their hearts, they're just stubborn. This is just another activity. But I am superior. It's about my life here, and all these things are just things that help me out. And they do not honestly believe in the gospel. Oh, that's, that's one way to God. If you think that way, I invite you to a discussion. As I have discussed with atheists, as I have discussed with those who uh, believe in many ways, if you really want to put that to the test, you test me, I test you. Just you and me, no audience. You may convince me, I'll be open, but allow me to convince you. And I will say he is the only way. What are other things that make them hold on? Their faith in the word is not real. It's not genuine. 
And their obedience is selective. Selective obedience. I'll only follow what's convenient. I will not follow what's not convenient. One is be teachable. And have full conviction in the word. Number two, believe and study God's word. Let us keep learning God's word. Let us grow beyond Christian cliches. Well, you know what Christian cliche is? Often used words. Often used words. And I would say these are common statements. However, not all common statements are accurate in scripture. We must study God's word more intently so we may mature. Deciphering from what is biblical and what is not. We discern right from wrong. We discern what is biblical and what is not. Here are some Christian cliches that have an element of truth, but are not biblically accurate. Take note, Christian cliches, common words with an element of truth, but not totally accurate. So there's an element of truth, but not fully accurate. Number one, to be saved, accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That is, wow, the truth there is huge. But the more accurate term is not accept Christ. The word accept comes close to the word receive, John 1.12. To those who received him, he gave the right to become children of God. But take note that that was in a descriptive form. That was not in the prescriptive form, not in the command form. The command form would not be that. The command form is different. The more biblical statements would be justified by faith, repentance for the forgiveness of sins, repent and believe in the gospel, and Jesus also said, follow me. Those are the more accurate terms. So when we say, how is one saved? We say, you can only be justified by faith. We say, it's repentance for the forgiveness of your sins. You have to repent and believe in the gospel. And we would say, follow Christ completely. Those are more accurate statements. But those who don't want to study, they just accept what goes around often, what most preachers say, what the missionaries said, and that's it. Number two, Jesus is knocking at the door of your heart. Let him in. Let him in. And when you open, pag pinapasok mo si Kristo, mababago ang buhay mo. If you let Christ in, your life will never be the same. Jesus never said, open the door of your heart to me. Oh, didn't he say in Revelation 3.20? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He who opens... If you look at the context, it was he was knocking at the door of the church in Laodicea. The church, well, I would presume the church has changed. Christ was no longer the center. It could be the programs. It could be the the focus might be the community. The focus might have been uh, other stuff. So Christ was no longer the center of that church. So Revelation 3.20, he was speaking about a church that needs to be revived. Not the door of an individual's heart so they will be saved. That's another Christian cliche. Number three, it is a more worldly cliche. Let me share to you number three I've listed. I, I could go on, but time does not allow. God helps those who help themselves. That's not biblical. You can't find it. 
you can help yourself and not get the support of God. Okay? Yeah, you can help yourself and not have the favor of God behind you. Oh, God will still bring the rain to everybody. God will still bring the weather here so that, that humanity lives until the end of time. Or I would say the end times. When there will be a new earth and a new heaven. And at times, God will grant you blessings that you did not even work for. That's so true. And I know you've experienced that. There's, uh, why is this here? I didn't even ask for this. So God helps those who help themselves. It's not accurate. It sounds so much like works-oriented. And that is what Paul battled in his life. To fight against a works point of salvation. Number three, God is sovereign. Let us continuously acknowledge that God is God. And it is God who gives understanding. God willing, God willing, we shall all know Christ and mature spiritually. For me as a pastor, I always hope for everyone. I hope for everyone that God willing, we will all grow up. God willing, we will mature in Christ. God willing, and we persuade, we connect. That's why if you need somebody to talk about your faith or what you're going through, we try to make ourselves available. If I am not available, I'm sure one of the pastors or elders will be available or one of the growth group leaders will find time to listen and pray with you. And if the problem is too big, then they pass it on to us and to me. So I handle, by God's grace, the worst problems here and we keep it quiet. It is God who gives understanding. We must press on to study and apply, obey scripture. And that is a lifetime endeavor. That is our lifestyle. And if you don't enjoy this lifestyle, uh, then, then what will you... This is what the joy is about. The joy of growing up in Christ. The joy of learning more of Christ in Scripture. The joy of as we obey and apply, we see Him at work in our lives. That when we proclaim God's Word, we see the Spirit of God and the Word of God at work in somebody else's life. This is the life. This is the life that gives us joy and peace. It's not just, I mind my own business and God gives me peace. Why don't I have peace now, Lord? Lord, grant me peace. Why am I so troubled? Well, if you keep thinking about yourself only, you won't have peace. Because the gospel is not about just me being saved. It's about me proclaiming it as well. It is also about me, by the grace of God, doing with my, all my strength to be an example for others so Others may believe in Christ. It's not that simple. That's why we always come down in prayer and say, Lord, I need you. <laughs> Lord, I need you. I am so imperfect. Lord, nakamali na naman ako. But the pursuit of holiness is there. The pursuit of righteousness is there. We will make mistakes, but the pursuit is there. However, those who are undecided never have a pursuit. They're not pursuing holiness. They're just Pursuing attendance here and listening, and, but nothing 
no desire for God to transform their lives. Like the author, we must acknowledge God is sovereign, which includes salvation. If God wants somebody to be saved, yes, he will save them. But we must proactively proclaim the gospel to them. Although the author convinced his recipients to move on, yet he said, if God permits or God willing. Thus, we pursue the knowledge of Christ. Well, God willing. We convince others to mature in Christ. God willing. God is sovereign in all things. God willing, everyone who joins our community here will mature in Christ. So, my friends, let us not be indecisive. Let us be decisive with full conviction. Let us follow Christ. Therefore, I give to you again some verses uh, I wrote as in, from the inspiration of this sermon and this text. It's called, uh, Not Indecisive. Let me read. They have become dull of hearing. Infants still, but not endearing. They should teach about the Lord Christ, yet remain babies still unwise. Let us not be indecisive. Instead, wholeheartedly believe the clear message of the gospel and with conviction all doubts dispel. God willing, we shall all pursue by grace knowledge we will accrue. God willing, we shall all mature in Christ. We are secured for sure. Let us all rise and let us pray. Thank you, Lord, for this morning. We thank you for your abundant grace. We thank you for your love that is spread across our hearts. We thank you for the knowledge of the truth, the truth that your justice and your wrath was absorbed by Christ, suffered by Christ. Yet he defeated death because he had no personal sin of himself. He rose again from the dead victorious we thank you that we heard the proclamation of this good news of the gospel we pray that we all decide to move on to fully with full conviction follow so we may grow in christ not dilly dallying not yes and no on and off maybe removing all that but stating now on with all my heart i will follow you i turn away from my sins by faith, I trust that you give me the strength to let go and not go back to those sins. That you will give me the grace and the strength to grow in Christ. Because it is you who changes us. Because you are the sovereign God that conforms us to the image of Christ. We thank you, Lord. We pray for every person here and those watching through social media that we would have full conviction, not again laying on again and again, but now truly believing, fully believing, and allow us to experience that freedom, that freedom in embracing the truth of Christ, the freedom, the freedom to be in Christ, and allow us to experience that joy of growth, 
of growing up, of discovering more and more. As the more we study His Word, the more we discover. And that grants us joy. And that increases our peace. And that increases our conviction. Allow us to experience that when we proclaim the gospel and others would respond, those whom you have called, allow us to experience the joy to see them grow up in you. To see you at work, the change you do in their lives, Lord. Allow us to experience such. Christ is greater than all. Therefore, we must move on. There is no other. There is one who is the most sovereign, and that is Christ, who sits at the right hand. And Christ, God, and the Spirit are one. They are one in being, one in essence, three in persons. There is no one higher. Therefore, there is nowhere else to go for us but towards Him. And sovereignty means submitting to His Lordship, submitting to His Word. It means submitting to His commands. Yet allow us to see that following Christ, as we turn away from our sins, it will not become burdensome because of the work of the Spirit. That it will become a joy in our hearts. To you be the glory. And we pray for this afternoon. Grant us joy. Grant us peace as we study your word. Grant us conviction. And may we trust that your word is sharp and powerful. Yet teach us to have the passion to be accurate about it. Teach us to grow up, to move beyond common words or Christian cliches that are not accurate, but will, with full conviction, standing on what the Word says, be glorified this afternoon and be glorified in our lives. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of His Spirit be with you all. God's people whisper, Amen. God bless you.